Merry Christmas to all and all. I hope we'll go to the oldtimeradiodvd.com site and take advantage of all the great sale pricing that is there. I have cut the prices as low as possible. I know that these collections are the best on the market, whether classic TV, movies, cartoons, cliffhanger serials, old-time radio, and also the Extreme Platinum are all on sale and cut as low as possible. Profit is good, but knowing that these collections are finding loving homes is what's important. Share with your family, your children, or your friends. OldTimeRadioDVD.com, your source of the best Christmas gift ever. OldTimeRadioDVD.com Today, romance and season's greetings, with a new Christmas story especially written for the occasion by Sylvia Richards. Its title, Richer by One Christmas. Now, from Hollywood, romance. Romance. Transcribed stories of love and adventure, of comedy and crisis, of conflict and human emotion. Today, a story of Christmas time, of Christmas present, starring Miss Virginia Gregg as Evelyn in Richer by One Christmas. ago when I was a child back in Iowa, I sang in the girls' choir at the First Episcopal Church. And I remember one year the rector gave us all necklaces, silver chains with round crystal pendants. Inside each pendant was a tiny golden mustard seed. The rector told us those seeds stood for faith, because Christ had said that if you have faith, even as small as the grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And that's what my husband, Phil, said about the Christmas spirit, that I must still have a grain of it left in me, that I just have to find it and make it grow. Since I've grown up, some Christmases have been fairly good, some bad. Mostly they've been so-so in between. But this year, well, the whole season started out wrong. It was one afternoon after Thanksgiving when my son, Peter... He's not quite 11, came bouncing in from school. Hi, I'm back, Mom. I heard. What did I say about slamming doors? Uh-oh. Sorry, I forgot. It came upon a midnight clear that Hey, glory. my eardrums. What brought that on? Oh, we were practicing carol stay in school. Already? Already? It's only three and a half weeks from now. Christmas? Why, Thanksgiving was just last Thursday. Well, look at the calendar. See, today's December 1st. Gosh, Christmas sure seems to get here quicker than it used to. I used to wait and wait You get here too soon to suit me. One day you look around and there's Christmas, bearing down like an express train. Hey, can I have some donuts? One. Sit down, I'll give you a glass of milk with it. Every year I swear I'll get everything done ahead of time, but I always put things off. Oof, the shopping, how I hate the thought of it. You sound like you hate Christmas. No, no, of course I don't. But when you're grown up, Christmas is different. Different how? Oh, not as much fun. It's really a holiday for children. Getting presents, seeing Santa Claus, trimming the Christmas tree. Mr. Miller, our social studies teacher, said there didn't used to be anything like that. 
He said Christmas used to be just praying and being thankful that Jesus was born. That's true. But nowadays, well, isn't it getting presents that makes it exciting for you? I guess. But grown-ups get presents, too. Yes, but they don't mean as much to us. I suppose because Christmas means so much extra work. Means spending money, usually more than you should. So many other things Christmas shouldn't mean. Somehow, little by little, you just lose your Christmas spirit. Have you lost yours, Mom? I don't know, Peter. Sometimes I think I have. I know I shouldn't have said that to Peter. It was bad enough two years ago when he stopped believing in Santa Claus, and now I was trying to spoil whatever illusions he had left. When I saw how puzzled he looked, I changed my tune, asked him what kind of present he thought his dad would like and what he wanted us to get for him. But that night at dinner, Phil brought home some news, something I didn't want to think about, not just before Christmas. Oh, Evelyn, I got a letter today from your sister Meg. You mean Aunt Meg way back in Iowa? Peter, hush. Meg wrote to you at the office? Well, she didn't know how you'd take it. She thought I might want to wait till after Christmas before I brought up the subject. What subject? Well, it's something I more or less expected. It's your mother. Seems she's become quite feeble and her memory's more or less shot. Meg says she just can't cope with the situation any longer. Well, I send money and so does Alice. It's not just the money. Meg's away at work all day and it isn't safe to leave your mother alone. So? What does she suggest? Here. Here's the letter. Read what she says. Grandma's memory is shot. What does that mean? Well, she's very old, and so her mind doesn't work as well as it did. How old? Forty? (laughs) Forty? My dear young fellow, I'll have you know that's young. Fifty? Sixty? Not seven. Hush, Peter. Phil, no, I won't have Mother shoved off on me. Alex can't take her, neither can Stan. But if she came here, where would we put her? The only place would be Pete's room. My room for Grandma? Hush! I could fix up the room off the kitchen, Pete, where we've got the freezer. That room? It's too little. Where would I keep all my stuff? You see, Phil, it's just not fair to Peter. Sure, why can't Grandma have the little room? That'll do, Pete. I think it's not fair to let him get away with being selfish. It's not just the room... But having an old person in the house, it can't be good for Peter to see someone who's sick and who's confused in her mind. People get old. It's a fact of life. It won't hurt him to know that. Well, maybe not, but... It won't hurt him to start learning how to be kind and patient. Evelyn, I should think that, especially now, when Christmas is almost That's here, just it, to have another problem now and the extra expense. Expense? She'd have to fly here. She couldn't stand the long trip on the train, and Meg can't afford to buy the ticket. Well, how much would it cost? Sixty, seventy dollars? Nearly half of the money I've saved for Christmas. So this year, why don't we just buy a tree and a few things for Pete? We have to send cards, and there are certain people who'll expect to get a gift. No. I refuse to take on Meg's problems now on top of everything else. Well, I have to write, Meg. What'll I say? Well, just tell her we'll discuss the problem after Christmas and then let her know. It won't hurt her to wait. No, it wouldn't hurt Meg to wait. My mother? Well, at her age, I doubted it would make any difference to her where she spent Christmas. Still, I must have had a bad conscience because I felt more and more miserable as the days went by and less like Christmas. 
I worked like a tiger, cleaning the house and went shopping nearly every day, battling my way through the crowds to buy gifts. And all over the city I saw lights and decorations, heard bells ringing, singing of carols, but nothing happened. I still had no feeling, not one tiny spark of real Christmas spirit. Boy, that's a great package, Mom. Oh, your mother's an artist at wrapping gifts. Oh, thank you, kind sirs. Well, who's that one for? Al's children. It's a collection of magic tricks. Oh. Who's this one for with the pine cones on top? That? Isn't it marked? Oh, never mind. It's for Connie, the cleaning woman. There, this one's done. Peter, it's past your bedtime. It's vacation, no school. But aren't you going to work for Mrs. Krieg tomorrow, washing windows or something? Hey, you got a job, Pete? Yep, Mrs. Krieg's. He's paying me 50 cents an hour. You'll be filthy rich. Peter? Let me wrap one package first. All right, wrap this one. It's for the milkman. You mean we got to give him a present? We don't got to, but we'll get better service if we do. Here, use this gold paper and the brown ribbon. Okay. Oh, I'm bone tired. I've never seen such crowds. Are you anywhere near finished? I'd better be. Only two more shopping days. You want me to buy the tree, I'll get it Christmas Eve. Oh, will you? It would be one thing off my mind. I swear, Evelyn, you sound like you were fighting a battle, a turning point in a war. (laughs) 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 Paul, over the top, Christmas! Gotcha! (laughs) That's how I sound. That's how I feel. Oh, I used to love Christmas, but it's changed so. Maybe you've changed. No, it's become noisy and commercial. It wasn't like that when I was little. What was it like? Oh, everything was different. Well, one thing, back in Iowa, the weather must have been different. Yes, that's partly what's wrong here in California. There aren't any real seasons, no winter. It's winter now. You mean because of the rain we're having? Well, this is more like spring weather back east. What was winter like there, Mom? In Iowa? snow. Day after day for weeks. Some days it drifted down, a few whirling flakes, and then there'd be a storm. The air filled with snow, the whole world white and still and cold. So what was Christmas like? Why, it was right in the center, in the heart of all that cold and whiteness. A bright, bright day. Christmas day. I guess I finished this package, Mom. Oh, oh, thank you, Peter. Oh, you did a good job, son. Uh-huh. Guess I'll go to bed now. Good night, darling. Good night. Good night, Peter. You know something, Mom? You know what somebody ought to give you for a present? No, what? A snowstorm. A great, big, beautiful white snowstorm. Then I bet you'd like Christmas again. As much as you used to. return to romance in just a moment. Tonight, Christmas Eve, the whole nation is invited to the largest carol service ever held. CBS Radio is bringing you its guest star, Bing Crosby, in a full hour of the beloved Christmas hymns and songs and airs from olden times to the present. You and your family are cordially invited to gather around your own Christmas tree as millions of other families gather around their trees 
and sing with this wonderful balladeer. From points all over the country and the world, Bing will also bring you the Yuletide songs of special localities and foreign nations. Tonight, Christmas Eve, as America sings with Bing on most of these same stations, you and your family join in. And now for the second act of Romance. For a long time after Peter had gone to sleep, Phil and I didn't talk. I was too tired and I felt lonely and a little unhappy. I was talking about Iowa. That long ago wonderful time. I was remembering my family, Meg and my brothers and me, when we were little. And I found myself remembering a poem I'd once learned by heart from Alice Through the Looking Glass. I began reciting it out loud. Without the frost, the blinding snow, the storm's wind's moody madness, within the firelight's ruddy glow, and childhood's nest of gladness. I guess that's how we remember our childhood, but I always suspect my memory. Not me. I can remember almost everything that ever happened from the time I began to walk until I was years older than Peter is now. Every Christmas? Every single one. (laughs) You remember anyone that was special, better than the rest? Of course. Everyone has one perfect Christmas. They remember their whole life. How wonderful. What made yours so perfect? Did you get a bicycle or your first real watch? No. It wasn't anything I got. And it must have been the snowiest Christmas. Snow on everything, like frosting on a cake. No. The odd thing is that there was scarcely any snow that year, not until January. Well, then what was it? Well, I don't know. I never thought before. And somehow that year I felt Christmas in my bones. I felt like the carol sound, joyous. Was it an especially prosperous Christmas? Did your dad make a lot of money that no, year? No, no. It was after Dad died, two or three years after. Prosperous. My dad hadn't left anything but debts. And it was 1935. The Depression. My poor mother. How she worried. She made some money sewing, doing alterations. And Stan, he was the oldest, sometimes got a day's work helping a carpenter. I was only 12. But I got myself a job. I started even before Christmas vacation. Mama! Mama, I'm leaving now. It's nearly dark, Evie, and I hate to think of you tramping from house to house in the cold, talking to strangers... They're not strangers, Mama. I know everybody who lives on Jefferson Street, almost everybody on Weber Avenue. Oh, yes, I suppose you do, but, Evie, promise me you won't force people to buy cards from you. How can I force them? Well, you mustn't try. So many people are having a hard time, and I hate to think of anyone spending money if they can't afford it. Mama, I've only sold three boxes. One to Miss Dory Haskell, and she can afford more than that. And two boxes to the manager of the Liberty Theater. I suppose in his case, Christmas cards are really a business expense. I have to sell 20 boxes. Why? For a reason. I don't want to tell you yet. Poor little Evie. I can guess why. It's hard when you're young to see all the pretty things in the stores that you can't buy. I don't care, Mama. Especially this time of year. But I really don't care. Well, money or no money, we shall have a merry Christmas, Evie. Because you and Meg and your brothers all know what Christmas really means. 
you have Christmas in your hearts. The Christmas cards I was trying to sell were cheap and ugly, and I knew it. That's what made it so hateful. Whenever I tried to talk about them, I got tongue-tied with shame looking at those gaudy, badly done sentimental pictures. But I made my quota. I sold 21 boxes, the last two of the afternoon before Christmas, just in time. In time for what? To go down and spend my hard-earned money. It was the first time I'd ever gone downtown all by myself. How much did you have? Well, I got 35 cents on each box, so it was uh, $7.35, a fortune. <laughs> So you went downtown clutching your money in your hot little fist. Mm -hmm. And then what? I went on the streetcar. That cost five cents. It was nearly five o'clock. And already dark, but all the stores were lighted. There were lots of people still shopping. I walked along the sidewalk looking into all the dazzling windows. I stood in front of the saltwater taffy store and sniffed. That wonderful smell. I stood outside Woolworth's and watched the people. Up the street, I could hear the chimes on the Methodist church. And right in front of the store, a Salvation Army woman was ringing her little bell. Now and then, somebody came by who knew me. Hello there, Abby. Hello, Mr. Thompson. Waiting to see Santa Claus? He's already left, going back to North Pole. Tonight's his busy night. I'm not waiting for anyone. I'm going to buy a Christmas present. Good. Good for you. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Thompson. Standing there, something started to worry me. I hadn't seen anybody drop any money in the Salvation Army kettle. I watched the woman ringing her little bell. Face looked pinched with cold and terribly sad. And she looked over and caught my eye. There was only one thing I could do. I can't give you very much. I only have a quarter and a nickel. And you want to put them in the kettle? <laughs> you have a good Christian heart. I do have some more money, seven dollars. But I have to buy something that costs six dollars and ninety-five cents. And I have to keep a nickel for the streetcar. Any gift you want to give is welcome. Should I drop the money in the kettle? That's right. It falls right through the wire. <laughs> Bless you, my dear. Bless you and Merry Christmas. By then, some of the stores were closing. Doors were being locked and lights dimmed. I was afraid I might be too late. I started running because it was two blocks to getting the store. Well, what did you want to buy? It was a present for my mother. Huh. Nothing for yourself? No, for her. Something to make her smile, not look so tired. <sighs> While you were selling the cards, you didn't tell anyone. <laughs> not even Meg. Whenever I thought of how Mother would look on Christmas morning, I hugged myself. Well, did you get to the store in time? Just in time. The man had closed one of the big doors, and I slipped in before he closed the other one. Giddings was beautiful. At least I thought so then. I knew exactly where to go, to the notions department. Months before, I'd seen the present I was going to buy, and my heart turned over with joy when I saw it was still there behind the glass. You want to buy something, dear? That, on the bottom shelf. Oh, this. You know how much it costs? Yes, $6.95. Plus the sales tax, seven cents. Altogether, it's $7.02. I only have $7, but I'll bring you the two cents the day after Christmas. Well, <laughs> no. I guess I can spare two cents. 
Thank you, but I'll pay it back. That's all right. It's a Christmas present. Now, do you want me to wrap this as a gift? Of course, I'd spent every cent, so I couldn't take the streetcar. It was a two-mile walk, and it was a cold night, but I don't even remember walking home. I think I must have floated all the way. Well, tell me, what was the present? A little doll. I guess you'd call it a Dresden doll. She was tiny and delicate, held her arms out, so a colonial lady, though her hair was white till it pouted. And she wasn't just a doll. Under her ruffled hoop skirt, she was a pincushion. But I didn't buy her for that. Well, did your mother like it? What did she say? She cried when she opened the package. I can't remember what she said. But she never used it for a pincushion. As long as I can remember, that doll stood on her bureau. And that was your best Christmas? The very best. It was the first time I really wanted to give someone a gift. that, Pete? A present from Mom. Peter, is that where you've been? Sure. One time I'd seen one of these things. So when Mrs. Creek paid me, I went down to look for one. I bet I looked in more than 50 stores. Mom, do me a favor. Open it now. Oh, I think I should wait until tomorrow morning. Oh, this is something you ought to have tonight. Before Christmas. Go ahead, Evelyn. <laughs> All right. It doesn't look too good. It's kind of hard to wrap. It's so heavy and round. Well, it's made of glass. What's that inside? Shake it, Mom. Shake it hard. Oh, a snowstorm. <laughs> a beautiful white snowstorm. <laughs> oh, Peter, it's a lovely present. It's the loveliest I ever had. Well, you're crying. Because it's so pretty. <laughs> I knew you'd be surprised. Yes. And I have another surprise for all of us. Grandma's coming tomorrow. You sent for her? Of course, I had to. When I remembered that other Christmas, when I thought she might not live to have many more, when I knew how wonderful this one was going to be. And at that moment, something happened. The room changed. It became a room simply bulging with Christmas, and I changed. The mustard seed had been there, and now it started to grow and grow. Now, from the cast and crew of our series, from all of us here on Romance, from Bob Chadwick, Tom Hanley, Bill James, Bill Crabb, George Foster, Jimmy Murphy, Alex Alexander, Jan Picard, Jerry Goldsmith, Frank Paris, Bill Frug, Virginia Gregg, Vic Perrin, Richard Beals, Beverly Henley, Ann Morrison, Ralph Moody, Dan Coverley. To all of you, a very merry, merry Christmas. 
And may we invite you to hear Romance, transcribed next week at this same time. Tomorrow, on our program called On a Sunday Afternoon, Del Sharpet will show you in words and music how Christmas sounds far from your home. Alfredo Antonini with his great orchestra and baritone star Stuart Foster will also be here on Christmas Day on a Sunday afternoon. Stay tuned now for Gunsmoke, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. See